It's time to talk about guns in schools once again. Sad but true. Stay tuned. Welcome, America. It is another Sunday night with the Eight Black Hands. Tonight we're talking about guns in schools, and unfortunately there's a news hook of a reason why we have to talk about guns in schools. Uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, a shooter walked into a Christian uh, school during the day and uh, shot out the doors, got into the school, uh, killed multiple people uh, in the school, including three children uh, and three adults. So the story is becoming a little bit too common for us. This is probably, I think, the 13th or the 14th education-related gun um, gun-related crime this year or shooting, as it were. And, um, you know, people are saying all the predictable things that go back many years ago. I don't know how many years it's been since Sandy Hook, but, you know, we had a person who entered a school during the day in Sandy Hook and killed multiple children. And we went through all of the process of public kind of performances that you normally get politicians with their thoughts and their prayers, politicians with their arguing about what was at fault and then nothing, you know, and here we are years again, Later, with history repeating itself, because we're talking about shooting in Nashville and we always have friends, that's the thing about this show is we have friends, family, and we are connected because we are a connected people. We have have a friend and fam who's going to join us tonight to talk about this very important uh, situation, and that would be Shaka Mitchell. There he is. The man, the myth, the legend, Shaka Mitchell, uh, education activist and advocate, good Christian and uh, all around family black man. America start seeing black fathers. This is a father, black father powered uh, podcast. And tonight we bring you a black father who has connection to the story that we're talking about. And uh, before we dive in, fellas, welcome on a Sunday night. Let's have fellowship with each other. And uh, kick off, welcome our guest, uh, um, Shaka there. Wish it was under better circumstances um, uh, than we have right now. But anything that comes to mind, top of mind first for any of you all that we should start with first as the most important part of having this type of discussion, this type of national discussion, because we've had it times and times before. We're going to have it again. So what's the most important thing that we should get out right away? I, I think that we can't have this type of conversation without having a call to action. Um, it's really easy for us to sit up and pontificate about what needs to be done, but if we're not going to be strategic in terms of how we're going to get guns uh, off people that shouldn't have them, then it doesn't even make sense to have these types of conversations. Um, my prayers are with uh, the folks in Nashville. I, I'm just running out of ways to talk about this with my 12-year-old because he heard about it. He's old enough to see it on social media. He'll see it on the news, try to turn it off, and he wants more information. And I mean, I just don't know what else to tell him. Like, school is supposed to be a safe space for kids. And like, I just am running out of things to tell him. So I was just troubled by it. Um, So, yeah, I'm just running out of things to say to my own children. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it just seems there's a propensity and a, 
a pattern of targeting uh, children, which, I mean, just speaks to the depth of, of sickness, um, you know, that, that's nurtured in, the, in this country, you know, um, and the fact that, you know, nothing, nothing happens, you know, uh, you figure since Columbine um, till now, I don't even know. I mean, we can look it up just to see how many um, school-based shootings there, there have been. Um, and, you know, folks didn't do anything after that, not after Sandy Hook. Um, and so it, it's like a real, you know, just, it, it's just unbelievable. You know, I read somewhere where Australia um, had had a, a shooting and they changed, they changed laws and, and they haven't had one since, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we'll, we'll get into more of that. Um, you know, welcome, Shaka. Good to see you again. You know, uh, sorry under these circumstances. It just, you know, it's, it's almost become a pattern of just American life. Like it's, it's no longer shocking. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of like, okay, when is the next one? Where will it happen? And how many um, children will be massacred? Well, Shaka, you know, thank you, number one, for being here tonight. We normally, when these uh, debates come up, we're at a distance and they're not talked about as human stories. They're talked about as policy battles. Yep. You live right there. Uh, you said right before we started the show tonight that Nashville is still small enough to where you're one degree away from everybody or whatnot. What's the real human story here? In the yeah, tell us tell us some stories here about the human toll. Yeah, sure, and and thank you. Thanks to to all of you for having me on and um yeah sharif i mean i wish it was under different circumstances obviously but um you know i'm here in nashville and and i first came to nashville in 1997 and moved back uh, with my wife in 2008 so we've been here for a minute and yeah nashville is a is kind of a mid-sized city so you're only one degree, two degrees separated from people probably at almost any school in the city. Uh, this school is no different. Um, I've got members of the church where we attend who send their children to this school. It's about two miles away from uh, the Covenant School. is about two miles away from the school where my 12-year-old attends. Uh, I've got former college roommates that send their kids there. I knew the headmaster at the school who was one of the victims. And so I think, um, you know, just like the conversations that y'all are normally having on this podcast where we're talking about education, I think if we're talking about nearly anything else that is not um, centered around the student, then we're talking about the wrong thing, which is to say, I don't really want to hear conversations about uh, the thickness of doors and entry points and bulletproof glass, etc. We just need to stop and lament and and talk about what a tragic loss of life this is, both the the three children and the three adults as well. And so it's been it's been really hard. It's been a heavy week in Nashville for sure. Um, and I think I think people are having a mixture of these personal conversations and then also thinking some about the policy and eventually is this when is going to be the when is there going to be a tipping point you know when do we say enough and and we finally have the momentum to have some changes some meaningful changes at at whatever levels i know we'll get into that but people want to know all right when when is it 
enough is enough. But well, um, let's get into it yeah. now. What is the tipping point and what is the change that we want to see in specifics? Well, I'll, I mean, I'll, if I can just continue. Yeah, I'll go ahead. Sir. Say, I think it, it, it just when it comes down to brass tacks, um, I was I was actually speaking with a friend today, an older friend. And I said, you know, I was I remember thinking I'm so glad that I grew up that throughout my school, you know, career, career, I don't know if you call it that history, whatever, um, that I never had to do any of the drills that my parents have told me about um, during the Cold War, during the sort of the height of the Cold War, where they were worried about being bombed, right? I never had to hide under a desk uh, or, or practice that. I'm so thankful for that. Um, but at the same time, now my children, and I've got three, they are doing drills, uh, active shooter drills. And that's just a, that's a sorry state of affairs. No family wants to uh, send their child to school thinking this is it. This could be it. There's a fair chance that, uh, that this could be the day. That, that's a crazy proposition, I think. And so I sort of think like, what are we trying to avoid? That's what we're trying to avoid. I don't. So at, at base level, like that is an unacceptable state, um, regardless of what type of school, because this is not about that. It's just like that is not the scenario in which we want to be sending our our children. So that that for me is kind of like where you start. That's what we're trying to avoid. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I guess picking up off of that. Where's our producer? Sir, hi. Uh, I guess picking off, picking up off of that, man. I had a uh, an instance last week in which uh, we had a threat. So a, a, a kid had uh, sent in a threat uh, via social media, and I always said, uh, in my mind at least, that I would never run a school that needed security guards, that needed armed uh, an armed presence in order for me to be on its campus, because I feel like in doing so. It's not a school anymore. It's a prison. But after that instance, and after this whole Nashville 16, I'm to the point now to where I'm ready to revisit that because, again, my, my daughter goes to my school. And huh. so it puts a new spin on things when you got to worry about your own child as well, as well as a thousand other kids and them being safe. And so for me, it's like, man, this is tough, man. This is a, this is a tough conversation. I'm glad that we're having it, Chris. I'm glad that you're facilitating it, and I think that this is this is one of those things to where like this is why we're here. This is why we are a black father pie, a black father powered podcast to where we can like lay it all on the line. So I'm glad we're having this conversation. Yeah, I mean, for me, I I think I live with the contradiction of wanting kids to feel safe to schools and not really being a fan of police in schools, SROs, metal detectors, and like prison-like conditions in schools. But similar to Ray, I had a conversation with our son's principal immediately after this and said, hey, I know I probably shouldn't ask you this, but I'm gonna ask anyway, like what's the plan if something like this happens here? Like what... I know it's unthinkable, but like, I'm concerned. Um, and we had a long conversation and I never thought I would bring myself to have this conversation at my son's school. 
And I really worry about our youngest son, who's six, who's uh, identified as uh, being on the autism spectrum and high functioning um, because loud noises, uh, he has noise sensitivity. And if something like this happens and they have to go into lockdown, it worries me um, about how he will respond and how that might impact other kids. Um, and I think that saddened me because it's just another layer of shit yeah. that um, I just don't know what to do. Whereas, you know, I want to feel like I can protect my kids even when they're not here and give them the skills to navigate. But I don't know what to say to a 12 year old. I don't know how to explain this to our six year old. And he's gifted in mathematics, but like the sounds like he is sensitive to loud noises. I I just worry to my core about what happens. And then the other thing I, while I, worry about it for my own children living in Fairfax County here in Virginia. I also live with the contradiction that this happens on a consistent basis in Detroit and DC. And the way in which we respond to it is very different. Like it doesn't gather the same type of media attention about violence in Philly or these other urban spaces. And I certainly am not playing the um, violence Olympics. And I think violence is violence and gun violence is gun violence. But the reality of it is, is that wherever it happens, we've got a gun problem in the United States of America. Yeah. And on that point, um, you know, uh, (laughs) here's an article right here that says, actually, let's go to this one. This is a pretty daunting headline. There have been more mass shootings than days in 2023, a database shows. There have been 128 mass shootings so far this year. Um, And if folks want to find this, you can find it at ABC News. Just search for there have been more uh, mass shootings than days in 2023. That's a pretty daunting headline. And this headline is actually the problem. This is the genesis and the root of the problem. You know, raise a Republican. I'm a libertarian. uh, Shreve's an independent. We all believe in gun ownership as a possibility, meaning if it's for you, it's for you or whatnot. Um, but I don't think any of us are so crazy that we think crazy people should have the easiest of access. It's harder to get into a strip club than it is to buy a gun in the United States, right? And it just shows that the, the length to which we will do mental gymnastics in the United States to not actually solve actual problems because there are big lobbies. And you know, if we were to fall down the rabbit hole of this, the gun lobby doesn't want you actually touching anything about guns. They're the most inflexible recalcitrant uh, force in the United States. We can talk about unions. We can talk about other big businesses or big tech or whatnot. Big gun is the largest kind of recalcitrant, non-rigid, uh, non-flexible uh, group that they don't even want you talking about crazy people not needing to have guns, right? Or have access to guns, right? Um and that is something that makes us the laughing stock of the world. Every other the country that world. looks, the, the whole world looks at the United States and says, we don't have any more compassion for you when these things happen because uh-huh. you're so stupid. You're literally the dumbest country on planet Earth when it comes to this point. Oh, the Constitution, uh, you know, the Second Amendment, this and that and the other. 
listen, we said something. I heard one of you guys say it. It, it, it strikes right at the, the core for me as a father. When I personalize these type of stories, and Chaka knows one of the victims in, involved here. When I personalize these type of stories to my own kids and I think about what these babies were going through when they hear shots and they're being locked down mm -hmm. in, their, in their buildings, and then somebody that they know personally in these moments when they're so traumatized and have, have so much fear is no longer with them anymore after that day, right? When I think about all of them, Columbine and Sandy Hook, and uh, and Robert, as you mentioned, in our cities where guns are out of control and, and we have young people walking around who have an experience I've never had, which is to be a kindergarten, second grader, third grader, fourth grader, fifth grader in the middle of the day hearing pop, 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 pop in your building and then being rushed in great danger to be locked down. And then someone, you know, is not there anymore. Right. If America doesn't have compassion for what I just said. And we keep treating, treating these policy debates as if there's no answer, as if there's no, nothing we can do. This, the shooter in this case, I'm going to shut up after this. The shooter in this case was somebody that was known to have serious mental illness problems and was hiding it from uh, his or her parents. Um, and, and they knew that this was a person who didn't need to have guns. And, and this person had a gun, had access, bought multiple guns, as a matter of fact, over a period of a couple of months. Uh, not just had access into them, easy access, quick access. There are things in the United States like it'd be harder uh, for some people to get a pack of cigarettes uh, than than it would be to get something that can do mass shootings. I don't not know when the, we're going to get not serious. The menthols, not the menthols. They can get them. Well, only because they have uncles like you, apparently. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I mean, I mean uh, um, Chris, this is the thing, right? This is... Yeah. I got to say this, right? Yeah, say As it. Someone who has registered my kids to go to school, there's more paperwork and shit you got to do to enroll your kids in schools than you do to have to get a gun in the state of Virginia. How is that possible? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, that mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense to me. When I bought a gun in Virginia, you know what held me up? was because I'm the third and my daddy has been in prison. That's the only thing that the police called me and were like, so are you Robert Simmons? Yes. And I mm -hmm. knew where this was going mm -hmm. right away. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, wait a minute. That's what y'all calling me about? Like, I don't even have no rap sheet. Like, <laughs> what are y'all talking about, right? Yeah. And it was just mind blowing to me as I'm sitting there like, and my, my wife held out from getting a gun. And I talked to Ray about this. And she finally was like, yo, it's getting crazy out here. We got hammers in here, baby. <laughs> she she was just like, I I got a buckle and like, I we, we got to do something. I mean, listen, I don't have a problem with you and your wife having a gun. I don't have a problem with Ray having guns. I don't have a problem with anybody having guns. You know, I'm a Jesus person. I believe we should turn our weapons into plowshares. But that is not true. That, that being said, that that is very true. But that being said, you do need to defend yourself sometimes. And I don't think that everybody and their mama needs to be having access to guns when they're having mental health problems with no background check, Fair no enough. kind of process, no yeah. training, no anything that they have to go through. Uh, gun show loopholes just showing up and buying, you know, a bunch of guns that end up used in crimes that are killing young kids. When you talk about the cities. 
that that we have a problem in. There have been like twelve year olds sitting doing their homework and have a bullet come through the the the, the wall of the house and knock them out. People don't think that I'm talking dramatic. Google these things. There have been kids sitting inside their house, not doing anything, not having anything to do with outside and uh, and getting shot because bullets are flying like it's the the damn wild, wild west. Um, And yet we still we just act like, well, you know, don't know what we can do. What can we do? How can we have our guns and eat them, too? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but part of it, it got to You know, we got to, you know, some of it is just changing the Constitution. Like, you know, I mean, like that. It has Ooh, to stop oh being Lord. looked at. I know this you're is talking, this is to drive white folk, white folks crazy, <laughs> but like you know, I mean, they have such a, a whack mesmer mesmerization with these, uh, you know, chalk wig haired racist rapists, like that. They're just you know, like it, it just makes no sense to me that they think that this document is so pure, so clean, so you know, amazing that it can't, you know, you know, they'll add some amendments here and there, but you know, like something like this where children and, you know, somebody put in the chat, like, yeah, after Sandy Hook, when they saw that with their own kids and they didn't change, like, you know, like it's, it's just, I mean, without some serious change to the constitution, I just don't see, you know, things different. Cause that's what they lock onto. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. this is our, this is a, you know, the second amendment, second amendment, like, and you know, and the, and the problem with the second amendment is tied to so much other lunacy. Right. In this country, it is like it is such a deep correlation to just the the craziness that happens, uh, you know, in this in this space, man. And and you're right, Robert. You brought up, you know, like this the the gun violence, you know, and um, you know, a kid walk into one of one of our uh, Philly schools, man. Uh, you know, Gratz, you know, uh, mm-hmm. was like basically ambushed in the in the morning on the way to school. You know, kids mm-hmm. coming to school informing the staff of what they just saw. Uh, which was a, a kid murdered, you know, um, on the way to school. And so it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's over and over and over and over again. Um, and the kids, the kids like internalize it as part of, like, w- yeah, we see it as a news hook or a news story. The kids internalize it over they time. Live in yeah. They it's live funny. in it. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. just, there's a school, I'm not going to name the school. There's a school that I donated to because I really liked the mission of the school. And because of that, somehow I got on their newsletter. <laughs> and, you know, for all y'all leaders of schools and whatnot, stop doing that. Stop signing me up for stuff just because I do one thing with you one time or whatever. Like, I just want to stay in touch with I'm you. Donating no Because I got, yeah, well, you don't need it. Um, but I mean, like, like you know, I. so anyways. You know, I donated to Sharif once and never heard from him again. Me either. What? Me, right. either too. Whoa, me, me too. That's a whole show. Me too. That is, that is the ungrateful. The ungrateful. But anyway. No, we said thank yous. We don't add you to the list. Un, you know, I appreciate that. Like, don't, don't, no, is, you know? added me to your list too. You got to thank you? No, no, no. Your, your team added you. you know what I mean? Okay, that's, well, that's, let me let not... me finish it just the yeah, same. <laughs> Over time, because I get the dispatches from this school, what I have noticed now, it's been a couple of years, is that every time there's an in memoriam for one of their students, it's in the newsletter. So it's become a normal part of their communications to me as somebody who formally donated to the school, that if I stay with them over time, it's going to be communicated to me over time. Their students are dying <laughs> on the way to school, uh, at a party, at a football game, at a whatever. That's just a normal part of the, their life. It's crazy. Can, can I can I say something about jump in um, here, sir? Yeah, I 
I mean, obviously, there's so many different facets to this, which is one reason I think the conversation about what to do next becomes so tricky, right? Because, and we've mentioned some of them. Um, we've mentioned things like mental health, the Constitution, just gun culture in general. You know, I think there's many different facets. People talk about, well, there's more than estimates of more than 400 million guns in circulation in the U.S. already. So, so even if you you know, banned all firearms, you know, you still got all the stuff in circulation. So there's lots of different issues. Um, just a, a quick, like, anecdote on gun uh, culture, and unfortunately, how pervasive it is. Um, so this week, uh, for the Nashville shooting, uh, our church was hosting a was called a lament service. So it's really just, it's just what it sounds like a time to get together and lament and just say, mm -hmm. you know, why right and to kind of cry out and be together and um be with one another in, in fellowship okay on the so that service started at 6 30 i show up with my family 10 minutes early or something and one of our security volunteers um, in the parking lot pulls me aside and says hey by the way um there is an active shooter event happening three and a half blocks away and sure enough, some of our church members, as they were coming off the interstate to our lament service for uh, victim, six victims of gun violence, they were um, driving past and see two guys in a shootout with one another. Hmm. It, it, it's just crazy, right? So you can be a victim of gun violence on your way to a service to commemorate and um lament victims of gun violence like that that's just a, a crazy scenario and uh, i'll i will agree with part of what sharif said about the constitution i you know and i am very much a a a constitutionalist i guess or a textualist like i i think the words matter but here's the thing um we were we were also at least had the had the foresight or the the framers had the foresight to build in a system by which you can change those words, right? So the amendment process is nothing. And we amended the constitution before because we wanted to have access to martinis again, right? That's something our country did. We thought it was so important to make sure we could get booze that we amended the constitution. This to me seems more worthy to, I don't know what the language would say, but I'd be willing, I'd be willing to, um, to amend it and let's see what happens. Well, the yeah, current you're, you're language sane. has you're, the current same person. Current current language says a well-regulated militia. It doesn't say your uncle Skeeter, who <laughs> don't know shit about shit, should have a gun. So the words are already that actually the language is actually already there. What the gun lobby has done is said, Do you believe the constitution or do you believe your lying eyes? Right? Like, 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 don't listen. We can argue about the constitutionality, first of all. I'm going to just pick on a couple things. Number one, those framers didn't have foresight in nothing. Those, those, they were not divine people. They were not people that had some sort of prophetic blah, blah, blah. They were like 20-something to 40-something-year-old white men with powdered wigs sitting in a hot-ass room trying to figure out how they were going to split up the spoils of the biggest luck that any group of people had ever had at that point and how they were going to keep the peasants down uh, by building a system of rules that would keep Shay's rebellion at 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 bay at, at some point. So, this, right. is, this is why we get in trouble all the time.
we got to stop acting like we're not educated people and that we're not black people living in a country where we have actually read the documents and have gone through the histories. We can't be sitting around here talking about this is like, this is, this isn't like Disneyland, like where you have the robotic presidents coming up saying like five minute speeches or whatnot. That's not for us. That's for somebody else. Let's, let's just be real with each other right now. And please, for the love of God, don't teach your children this nonsense unless you want to make them slaves. But anyways, even within the, even within listen uh, even within mental mental slavery is real um but even within those imperfect framers and groomers documents right groomers groomers well i mean listen george uh thomas jefferson was was one of them groomers he was a groomer he was straight up groomer anyways let's stay on topic just to basically say even within their words and their imperfect system of things whatever it has already been argued that they didn't mean for just everybody for all time forever just to be walking around loaded with a with a gun, uh, regardless of what danger you present to society. So, so I got well a, regulated militia. I got a question for Shaka. And so you're in, you're in Tennessee, and and so you know, unfortunately, this uh, this event happened in Nashville. You're close to it, but there's also things that are happening every day in Memphis, right? That don't get highlighted in the media, in terms of gun violence, in terms of kids losing their lives. We'll see a post from, like, members of Memphis Lift and, like, all, all sorts of uh, members of, of the Memphis community about death being rampant in Memphis. What do you feel like is the is the major difference in terms of, like, why there's not that much notoriety in, in Memphis? Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I don't think it's a tremendous um, secret. There's big differences between Memphis and most other cities in in the state of Tennessee, right? I mean, Memphis is a is a predominantly um, African American right uh, city. It's a it's a predominantly I, I think you'd say um, low or lower income um, you know communities. Um, there's there's no political juice right uh, in Memphis like there is in some other cities. Um, it doesn't, and, and so I think the, so I think you could very much, um, as, as Robert mentioned earlier, you could very much say like, Hey, but what do we do with, you know, there's a shooting in Nashville and it's, and it seems to be treated one way. There are shootings in Memphis more frequently, um, uh, or there are shootings in, in Memphis and they are treated a different way. I will actually say that Nashville, a Nashville zip code actually has the highest, um, uh, incarceration rate and shooting rate in the country. That's those are Nashville zips, which is a lot of people don't realize when they're wearing their boots and they're riding their pedal taverns um, in downtown. Um, but so there's some disparities there. I, I think though something that I think will be interesting about uh, the, in the aftermath of the Nashville shooting is I think that. Um, and maybe maybe you you can pull it up, Chris. But uh, you know there was a, a pretty significant rally on um, what must have been Wednesday down at the or Thursday rather it was Thursday at the Tennessee General Assembly is our capital. And you know people down there it was, it was a peaceful rally, but people are just expressing their frustration, right? Because the state legislature was meeting and folks are down there. Um, I could see in the pictures and just saw on social, I knew a lot of people down there and a lot of the people who are down there are not uh, politically left of center. 
they're actually right of center. And I think that's really meaningful, right? Mm -hmm. Because I actually, I personally think that's where, if you're going to get movement on this issue, I think that's where the movement on this issue is going to come. Um, I think it's actually going to come from right of center from people who maybe, um, you know, the gun lobby thinks they have, um, but, but maybe they don't, right? Maybe it's people who, um, uh, you know, have, have historically kind of voted for the GOP and they say, hey, that's, that's a political party that I want to be, be with. But you know what? I still don't want to send my kids to a school that feels like they are, um, uh, they need SWAT training to be able to make it home after school. I think, so that's where I think that the change is going to come. Hmm. Everybody's like, scratch the beard. You think the change is going to come? I, I, with I the do. People that are starting to have a change of heart that are on the right, more on the right, um, it, but they're starting to have a change of heart. I, I think, I, I think so. I mean, maybe, and I don't know, maybe I'm still too close to kind of the initial, right. To, to the event on, on Monday, but um, I mean, maybe I'll, I'll here, here's an analogy. Um, when do we start to see laws get serious about um, opiates? Oh, it's, man, you right? know, yeah, it's not, sir. it's not when it's, it's not when it's um, criminalized. It's criminalized when, yeah, that's right. It's not when, you know, Heron is, is really um, rampant in our cities, right. In our predominantly black cities, it's when pills are being transferred um, in the suburbs, in the exurbs, in, in classrooms by kids right now that that's, that's a problem. There's problems there, but if the underlying um, effect or if, if the underlying event, i.e. The, these, you know, opiates that are just rampant across culture, if that can be addressed, then it's kind of like, all right, mm -hmm. let's, mm -hmm. let's address it. There's still those other disparities, right? So I'm not putting those aside, but I just think that maybe this is going to be analogous to that. Yeah, I, here's here's where I would disagree, right? Sure. In that um, I hear you, right? And like, I think that's a glass half full approach, right? Like, I, I don't disagree that uh, intellectually, I would think that this would be it. But like, this isn't the first time. Like, I I looked online and uh, there were three, there's been 376 school shootings since Columbine. 376 and over, I don't know, 300,000 or whatever the number of, of kids who've been impacted because in inside of the school, right? If that's not enough, I, I'm not sure that will be it. But the one thing that I've always said is if you want to see gun laws change, let more black people go buy guns and show up publicly carrying and open carry. Man, there'd be all these governors be Ronald Reagan all over again after it's Reef's mic. It's Reef's mic that's giving all the feedback. You got something going on, Reef, with your mic mm -hmm. there. 
Uh, sounds like you're in the fan. Remember back in the days, you know, <laughs> old days when we used to stand by the fan and be like, ah, Roger Troutman, computer. <laughs> yep, yep. This, this is pre, this is pre auto tune before auto tune. Like, <laughs> he still got his auto tunes going. That used to be fun. I don't know what y'all talk about. That was like a, a national uh, pastime. It wasn't fun. Damn big ass fans blowing hot air around your house. Hot air because your, per- your parents like, didn't want to. You know, didn't want to share. No, um, so this is true. Uh, Robert, well, I didn't know that Robert was done with his 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 point 100. Yeah. percent Um, so no, listen, what, this, the one point this, about that, like Ronald yeah. Reagan changed laws after the the uh, the Panthers showed up, right? In California, yeah, yeah. not yeah. as a president, as a governor, right? Like they yeah. started like you know restricting, and you know, but it's like. Yeah, I mean, you you see more and more uh, black gun ownership and things like that. I don't even. I think they'll just unleash the AFT. The no, what is it? ATF. The we're not doing that right now. We're not doing that. We're not doing that tonight. Just stop uh, it. Leave the it um, you know the FBI and everybody else. I don't think that's going to get them to change those laws. You know that they tie back to the second minute. They're just going to sick their 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 goons on us. Well, truth yeah, be told, I think, um, I think things could change in Tennessee. They may not change nationally, but if you have people that are are, mm. are center right or or right that are that are showing up to these things and whatnot, then they have the political juice in order to make those folks that are that, that are on the right move, and they'll move. It'll happen. Uh, I hope so. I mean, I hope so. They're having protests right now. They have people that are shouting down elected officials. In but the they don't have like France and Spain type protests. You know what I mean? Like they need like some more uh, Iranian, France, Spain. With your you know violence. I mean? I'm this just saying, like, your violence. I'm like, without that type of protest, like, they, you know, like, I don't know. You know, they I'll, don't I'll need violence. This, this, and I don't mean the violence part. I mean, just like that kind of massive amount of people. Shutting things down, right? Like what they yeah. do, like, they're like, we're not going to work, like just shutting a country down. Like you see, yeah, but we, we've got we we're too comfortable in the U.S. to shut that's things down saying. very long. That's what I was right? saying. Like right. I got to get my what is ten dollar latte? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I will say, and um, you know, I don't. I, you just don't wish this on anybody. But you think about what are the things that maybe move the needle, and the governor of Tennessee, uh, Bill Lee had a personal connection with that school. His his wife used to teach with the headmaster. One of the other victims who is a, a tutor, 60 or 61 year old um, tutor, you know, retired teacher. And then she was she was back there just tutoring um, was set to have dinner with the governor's wife that night. So there's a personal connection. So, you know, maybe it's those types of things. Right. I mean, sometimes it's not it's it's not the right. It's not the words. It's not the words in the Constitution. It's not the the laws on the books. It's the life on life connection that um, that may matter. Mm. I don't know. Of course, I wouldn't. Yeah, you know, I don't wish that on anybody's friends. But that that might be one of those things that matters. And you know, well, and those are the exact type is. of people we don't need in in politics, right? Like if it if it has to happen to you personally before you mm-hmm. feel for everyone else. Like that's that's the exact wrong person to be uh, leading anything. Well, you might be you might be right, but in the law, sometimes we say, um, uh, "Don't tell me the law, show me the judge." Right? Like that's what you're doing. You're sometimes you play the man. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, here, according to your paper, the Tennessean, it says that uh, Governor Bill Lee moves to boost school safety funding, and he's open to some gun reform after the shooting. To Shreve's point about this is, if it requires you to know somebody personally that gets into a tragedy before you start reconsidering your policy positions, uh, that's a problem. And, you know, shock, I get what you're saying is like, you know, like politics just is what it is, like it, whatever it takes to move the needle to get you where you want to go, you have to go with it. But I will say America has a empathy problem, like at root, we don't have a we don't need the violence protest as much as we need a serious reconsideration of what the hell is wrong with us. When you have six-year-olds and nine-year-olds and eight-year-olds and 12-year-olds being shot, and that's not what triggers your empathy. And that isn't what who you want to see coming in your congressional office. You're waiting for the goddamn gun lobby to come through with that check. Um, that's a much bigger, deeper spiritual problem about powers and principalities that aren't exactly Christian, right? That is a much bigger soul problem of the United States. And as I said earlier, we're an outlier. Other, other countries look at us as we talk all this bluster about how great we are, how we're number one, we're blah, blah, blah. We're number one, but you know, not number one in healthcare, in not number one in education, not in number one in math, not number one in science, not number one in you know, infant mortality, not number one in any of these like, you know, great indicators, including number of kids getting shot down and killed by crazy people with guns in their school day, during their school day. Um, we like to, oh, we're number one. You know what we're number one is? We're number one in thinking we're number one when we're not. That's what we're number one on. We're number one in a lack of empathy. This country yeah. is so without empathy. This, you know, you, you got people ripping babies out of the hands of mothers at the border and not thinking that that's somehow a spir spiritual problem motivated by evil that eventually will come back on your soul and haunt you at some point. We're so pragmatic about our policies that we don't even think about the moment you strip a baby from the hand of a mother at the border. We, th we fall for stunts like putting them on planes and sending them up north and not telling them where they're going without any blankets or jackets or food or anything along the way. The exact opposite of the Christian principles of the thing that we always like to say we have, these Christian princi principles. We're missing the part where he said, thou shalt love the your neighbor as you love yourself. Hang the whole of the law on that. Yeah. We keep forgetting about that part. Hang the whole of the law on that. Right? <sighs> Shaka, man, you in the middle of the Bible Belt. What, what, Shaka's what, a Christian person, too. Shaka, yeah, yeah, help too, me out here, too. man. Yeah, so, well. It sounds like Chris is trying to rejoin uh, the church and state. You know what I mean? Stop they, it. <laughs> Stop it. Shaka, it. What, what, are, what are the folks saying in the church? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think, um, I think the church, like anything we've seen, is is not monolithic, you know? Um, you have a lot of folks who, who just have a, a, a mixture of, um, well, I think it's a mixture of opinions of what to do. I don't think that, I don't think there's a mixture of, um, of emotion, meaning like I, I have not experienced people who are just so callous that they just don't even think about it and just go up, oh, not a big deal. Right. I, I don't know anybody like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, well, Shaka, I might put it. Let's stick on yeah, this point just for one second. Yeah. Do you know anybody that is making this about the shooter being trans rather than it being about dead people? You know, that that is something that I have to say. I've been um, so my, my wife realized that. I mean, she read that, I guess, that update before I did. And she said, mm -hmm. oh, mm -hmm. boy, 
I think this is going to be a problem. I think this is where mm -hmm. it's going to go. I actually think that that has been more of a narrative that I've seen in national outlets mm -hmm. than in local right. ones. Yeah. Um, in local outlets, I haven't seen anything. I mean, I, I've heard people in the, at the same prayer vigil, you know, praying for the for the parents of the victims and the parents of the shooter. Hmm. Right. Hmm. So, so I I really have to say to me that's been much more of a national thing where you have some of the some of um, kind of the usual suspects in the in the national media just trying to like stoke the rage machine mm -hmm. and inflame mm -hmm. it. Whereas I think you've got people who are still grieving and are like, listen, this is, this was not about that. Now I will say, um, here's something that I thought was a huge miss. I did hear a conversation. I won't, I won't say with who, uh -oh. but, but it was a, <laughs> it was a, it was a conversation where people said where they were frustrated with the media coverage and I said, oh, well, what do you, what do you mean? They said, well, the, you know, the, I'm frustrated with how the media covers these things because they were frustrated that whichever reporter they saw didn't accurately describe the weapon, like called it an AR-15 and it was really some other kind of gun. And, that, and I sort of went back to my, the, the point that I started with on, on this show where I said, listen, if we are talking about the serial number or the, or the, you know, was it, oh, does it, does it hold 30 rounds or 31 rounds? Like we're talking about the wrong thing. The thing we should be talking about are the, the lives lost, especially of these children in what should be an educational setting. Um, it was a miss to me to kind of get lost in these details of, was it this kind of gun or was it that kind of gun? Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But you know, among, among folks in the church, like I think people are, people are grieving and there is, and i I mean, Chris is right. I'm a, an evangelical Christian. Do I believe there is a, an individual sin problem? Yes. Facts. Um, heart, a, a problem of the heart? Yes. Do I think you can also have uh, some issues that are, are group problems? Yes. I do believe that too. Um, and still, do I think that we... Uh, notwithstanding those things, like those shouldn't cause us to throw our hands up in the air and say, well, human nature, rah, rah, rah. you know, <laughs> that's, that is unacceptable. I love the sound. Yeah, you are right. You're right. <laughs> I do my own sound effects. Yeah. <laughs> a wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, from a Christian perspective, I want to speak for everybody. Not everybody in this podcast is, is a Christian, but I will say this. There are no individuals in Christianity. Christianity is a community. It is a it is a kingdom. And within that kingdom, there are supposed to be ways in which we're supposed to solve our problems. And love should be at the bottom of all those. Now, we don't really talk about this when we talk about the formulation of public policy. We talk about the way that because we live in a fallen world. And one of the clearest signs of a fallen world to me is that we have children, babies, who are falling down, uh, dead, being traumatized. Uh, you just mentioned the thing, even if you, if this isn't something that happened to you or whatnot, even the drills, like, it, you know, the, the idea that you have to do these lockdown drills with kids or whatnot, you're drilling into the, I remember the eighties, how crazy this was when we used to have to do these bomb drills. And there was this general sentiment that like Russia could bomb us at any second. And we were going to like just fry and whatnot. I don't know why parents do this sort of thing and adults do this sort of thing to kids. Cause that, that scared the hell out of me for a good 10 years that like thinking that any moment now this thing could happen. Right. And first of all, educators, 
But you you be lying to kids. Listen, if they drop a nuclear bomb, what is getting under your desk going to do? Nothing. Nothing. That's the best desk in the whole world if that's going to protect you. What is that desk made out of? Get under the desk with a nuclear bomb. Anyway, it, it, it does about the same as as you having to pour out your four ounces of of shampoo before you get on, you know, when you're carry on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. With your eighty dollar bottle of cologne, talking about like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna pour this out or leave it behind, whatever. Reef, reef cool Stop. water is eighty dollars now. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> Stop it with your Dracar wearing self. Um, like... That so, was lost on me. You should send your courting jokes to somebody else so that they get it. <laughs> Return home. Well, fellas, like, listen, this is one thing I always like to come back to. We don't have like a ton of time on the show here today. But what do you think actually we should be telling our kids and our young people? Uh, that's really where we land most of the time on these things. We talk about them. We argue about the the, the larger issues and whatnot. But it all comes back to uh, 8 million black children is what this podcast is about. And we're trying to raise them up to be the best they can possibly be. This has got to be a moment that we teach something. So what do we teach? Ooh, look at that. I stumped the educators. Look at that. The least educated one on the podcast and stumped the educators. Come on, fancy book learning. Somebody jump in here. Let me, let me stop you. You're All not right. the least educated person on the podcast. If you, uh, take, if you take your formal education and your lived experience, you are the right. most educated on the podcast. So stop saying that shit. Well, I appreciate you. Listen, I appreciate you. Come on, fancy book learning. <laughs> so, can, you, can you state your question again? <laughs> What should we be teaching young people? This is yeah. a moment. It's a hot spot moment in time. We know what they went. We know what they might be dealing with, yeah. in, in um, the, when these type of things happen. What's our pedagogy in moments like this uh, for our young people? Uh, so I'll jump in. Um, so I, I think that we have to teach our, our our kids to have their heads on a swivel. We have to teach them how to be aware and how to uh, be able to pick things out in terms of when these things happen. And so not only are they having drills at school, but we're also having drills at home because, you know, my, my kids are my most valuable resources and I don't want anything to happen to them. Mm -hmm. um, if, 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 if I can do something to, to control it or, or if I can put them in a position or empower them to be able to control it. Right. Um, when the teacher gives you a directive in terms of keeping you safe, we need to make sure that our kids are following those directives. Uh, we need to be checking in with, with school leaders to make sure that they are actually doing these drills because what happens is people get complacent because it's not happening in your area. But these are the types of things that can happen. Nobody knows when it's going to happen. So you always need to be prepared for it. I know every state mandates that you have to have a certain amount of, of tests and, and a certain amount of drills every year. But uh, just making sure that you're checking in with those school leaders to make sure that they are doing those actual drills. I think that if we do that in partnership, we can help keep some kids safe. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would, you know, I put a couple of links in in the chat where, you know, students were organizing and lifting their voice. I, I think they have to continue, um, you know, to do that and and do it. And adults have to show up as well. But I, I think it has to be this ongoing, massive course about just demanding that things change. And and literally, you know, I do think they're going to have to. Sh we are going to have to shut some things down, you know, to, uh, you know, where they, where they feel it financially. Like, I, I really think that's the only, you know, only spaces like it's, you know, when you think about when they wanted, you know, uh, you know, uh, Dr. King's birthday that, that happened and it was a couple of state holdouts. Right. And they, 
you know, there were more people just demanding that, saying like, "Hey, we'll pull, we'll pull your favorite pastime out of this state if you don't change that." You're right. Like it's those kind of things. I think that it's going to take every, you know, everybody. But I, I really, you know, would continue one to encourage students. You know, there were some students at Girls High that organized. Um, you know, uh, students. There were a few years ago uh, shoemaker students. The the raised woke group. Um, was organizing and, and collaborating with other folks. I think, you know, uh, another part to dovetail with this is really just us checking in um, and engaging our, our youth more. When we just see, even without the, uh, these kind of, uh, you know, murderous rampages, we saw mental health um, issues spiking um, with our students, uh, anxiety levels, uh, depression, you know, spiking uh, with our students. And this only, you know, exacerbates that, you know, significantly. So I, I would say a big part of this is making sure we are staying engaged and, and speaking with our, our, our children, our youth, um, and, and making sure that they have the environment to do the same, you know, uh, with us and, and sharing. Because even in between all of these mass murders, even if they're miles away, students are, are seeing and experiencing this in, in a, you know, in a very, very different way um, than adults may, who, who may see it on the news and like, oh yeah, well, I live you know such and such or that's not close or like that doesn't change how a child may internalize it. and i you know i really shudder like how how these children who are, have experienced this the past you know couple of decades especially what this means for them and their grandchildren like what mm. what trauma is going to be passed on because all this is it's not just a kid in front of us it's their grandchildren that mm. will be dealing with the effects of, of this kind of nonsense shaka since you were there First of all, is this a is this a teachable moment for your kids? Is it something they know about? Is it uh, something that you have to have to address and talk about? Yeah, for sure, uh, for sure. We've had to talk about it. I mean, you had schools closing early. You know, the security presence, uh, obviously, at, at um, pickup and drop off has been much higher. They're you're doing drills, so um, it, now it hit my kids. It they're they're different ages, um, so it kind of hit them each differently. You know, my eight-year-old isn't really that aware. My 10-year-old asks lots of questions. She said um, today, in fact, this afternoon, she said, Daddy, what was the, what was the country that you, where you said that they don't really, the police don't carry guns? And I said, oh, we were talking about England. And she said, I wish we were like that. And mm -hmm. I said, why? And she said, well, because then maybe, uh, she said, then maybe what happened this week wouldn't have happened if people didn't have guns. She said, at least it would be less likely. And I thought, it's not really that complicated, is it? Like she gets it, you know, she's 10. Um, <laughs> the numbers, the numbers matter. Um, but so, yeah, I, I do think it's a teachable moment. I think, I think I teach, I, I, I might try to teach them, you know, uh, <laughs> to the, to the effect uh, that they'll listen to me. Um, a couple of things come to mind. Like one, I, I really, we, we can't let our kids think that certain problems are so intractable that we're just going to do nothing. Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing I think we have to teach them. That's like, huge. You're right. This, this it does seem like a problem that, man, a lot of smart people have thought about and they haven't figured out what to do yet. Guess what? Keep working. Mm -hmm. You might be the one, mm -hmm. this might be the problem that you are here to, to help us solve. And, um, so I think they have to know that. The other thing, uh, of course, 
let's let's do some some like smart reasonable safety enhancements you know in buildings and public spaces whatever when we can do them but it's like who wants to live in a in a constant police state i don't um again do them the training matters of course but i think what i would tell my kids is like let's think about particularly in the u.s why we're so reluctant to relinquish some of our supposed rights and what that really, Chris, to your point, what that really reveals about us. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that's, I think it actually has, it does have a lot to do with kind of the heart. What does it reveal when we say, no, you know what? I, I just don't want to give that thing up for my neighbor, for my, Mm -hmm. you know, in my community. Why is that? And I think I think those are the questions that we have to ask, and that I would challenge them to ask. Like, if some if you're holding on to something so tight that it ha- it becomes the priority, you need to ask why that is and what that reveals about you. Um, huh. Yeah, that's deep, man. I really think that that's deep. So as you were talking, I was like thinking to myself that one of the lessons that we are teaching kids is that we can't make everything perfect for them. We can't make, we can't make them like, you know, there's a point which you think your parents are like have superpowers, you know, you think that your parents can, you know, (laughs) like if a dog's coming towards you, jump behind your dad. Right. You know, like, you know, and there's that sense of like, you know, if the ghost is in your room and your, your parents come in the room or whatnot, it vanquishes all ghosts. Right. There's a juvenile way of thinking of your parents as superheroes. And then you get to times like this where your parents are, are they where the best message we have is we can't make everything in the world perfect for you. And there are lots of things that happen in this world that you have to watch out for. Right. Kind of deep. Um, well, listen, fellas, we are wrapping on time. Let's do some, a round of final kind of final words on this somewhat grim topic, but it's one that we needed to have because it's in the news as a major uh, um, challenge to us to think of, think about what type of society we want to be and what type of society we want for our kids. And definitely when it comes to schools, uh, what type of society do we want uh, uh, to be for our kids and for our schools? So who wants to go first? I'll go first. Robert, you do your thing, sir. Uh, I got three pieces to this. One, I want to encourage parents with, of kids who have have special needs, are neurodiverse, to ask questions of school leaders and of districts and charter schools, wherever you send your kid to school about what is their strategy for your child? Because they experience the world differently and they deserve to be safe just like every other kid, Mm -hmm. regardless of the ways in which they experience the world. And regardless of how inconvenient it might be to the school, right? Like, so I want to encourage parents to have that conversation. The second piece is that I I want to encourage young people to lead us on this because adults ain't doing nothing. Like, I I just, I'm a pessimist on this one because I feel like it's the same conversation forever. Let's add more SROs. Let's have more, I don't know, metal detectors and let's arm teachers, like all of these things. 
but there's never anything of substance. And I would encourage young people in the same way in which they've organized uh, over the years and the generations would encourage them to lead us and lead walkouts and lead protests, come with the policy agenda. The third thing is that one of the one of the voices that's really important is teachers. And um, for all of the ways in which, you know, there are, you know, teachers that are just demonized in the media, celebrated in the media, whatever continuum we're on with that. I, I, I want to thank teachers for going back to work every day because it has to be tough mm. to know that you're not only protecting yourself because you may have a family to go home to, but you're also charged with protecting 30 kids, 20 kids, whatever the number of kids are in your classroom. And the same way that we celebrate um, those that are frontline workers um, and first responders, I think we need to celebrate teachers at moments like this and beyond because I can't imagine what it's like to be a teacher in Nashville or in wherever and go back to school the next day knowing that this has happened. Like, I just don't, I don't know what that would be like because I haven't been a classroom teacher in a long time. And so I just would encourage teachers to galvanize and collectively raise their voices about uh, what needs to happen and bring their experience and wisdom to the table. So, yeah. That's dope. Ray, what about you, sir? Oh, man. So, uh, first and foremost, uh, we're going to have a, 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 a emblem change. Uh, we got a mainstay on the show. Uh, this guy that has done the residency for the month of, month of March is going to be joining us permanently, Dr. Robert Simmons. And so I want to congratulate him on being the newest hand. Uh, I was going to do a press release, but I didn't do that. I felt like it would be appropriate to do it now. All right. Secondly, want to thank Shaka for pulling up and coming through and, and uh, giving us the wisdom of being on the front lines in Nashville. Um, and then thirdly, uh, really want to say this. I want the same energy to go into all neighborhoods huh. when these mass shootings occur. I want the same energy. All right, Sharif. Um, you on mute? My bad. Uh, welcome, Doc. I, I, you know, that was a interesting segue announcement uh, type, of, type of time. But you know, the, it's to be expected. You know, uh, <laughs> from our, our, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I. I I couldn't help but to think about, you know, uh, Michael Cole. That was the first student that I lost uh, to gun violence. Um, and it was it was after he had, had uh, you know, graduated from our middle school at, at Turner. And I just remember the the immense impact that that had on the community. You know, he was, uh, you know, he was in, in neighborhood schools and, and just the entire community. Um, you know, I still think about, you know, him often and he was he was the first, but he wasn't the last. And, 
you know, I, I just, I mean, something has to give, you know, when we think about just the impact that these mass shootings are having um, on the psyche. And the last thing we, we need are our children to be in despair and feel hopeless. Um, but you also understand like why they might feel that way when just seeing adults, you know, just not doing a single thing when they're in, in deep distress, when the whole country is in, in deep distress in this way. And so, you know, I agree with Simmons, you know, making sure that, you know, um, we're supporting students and, 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 and teachers and staff, those who are closest to these uh, issues. Um, and, you know, like we, we have to figure out uh, other ways to add um, higher levels of, of pressure um, and, and will things to, to change, you know, because um, this is just too much. It is, it is, it's been too much. It's, it's just, it's it's just way too much, um, just indifference uh, to children being murdered inside of inside of schools, mm -hmm. on the way to and from schools in our communities. Just the overall epidemic of gun violence uh, in this country that was in the soil. Like this is how this country, this version of this country, was founded, um, and this is going to take a, a massive effort to root this out. You know, um, you know, from this, from within the soil, um, and and do some a, a deep cleansing of of the politics, of the 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 money that go, flows into the NRA and, and other spaces that just keeps this as the most protected, illogical concept. Um, you know, in this space. Hey, Reeve, you you did you get a basement makeover in Lower Marion? No, I got booted out my um my office. This is this is really the the library space. Um, this, oh, this is where I go. This is where yes, I go to think no. and, and read. I, I got booted, man. My, my wife was. These like, are the random moments that nobody who watches us can follow along with and understand what the we're doing and what we're saying. Watching the yes, people on the people on the screen can't follow him. You right, know absolutely. <laughs> so bobbing and weave. Um, Shaka, we're going to give you the last word. So I'll say my final word here, which is just, first of all, I'm appreciative of the discussion and the conversation, the ability to come to the show on Sunday nights and be able to, um, um, conspire and have fellowship with smart and intelligent black men and especially black fathers, um, because this is a salon for exactly that to happen. So I'm grateful for that. And I, I thank, uh, thank God that we have that and ability to model that, um, for others. On this particular issue, um, I'm sick of having the conversation. I'm sick of talking about gun violence and students, and uh, I'm sick of tragedies. I'm sick of having to do kind of national performative um, um, showing of like grief, and then you know, and then nothing. Um, we've had so many of these shootings and tragedies over time, and it's happened to every sympathetic group of people. It isn't just schools, right? We've had this happen in movie theaters. We've had it happen in churches. We've had it happen in nightclubs. Um, you are not safe as an American, not because of anything other than the policies that are in place that make you unsafe. And the policies are in place because we have paid off politicians, politicians who care more and prioritize more the check that they get from the gun lobby than they do you. They are more afraid of the gun lobby than they are you. And there's no sympathetic group of people that they will act on behalf of uh, to get in the way of that particular arrangement. So the only way out of this is for good people, good citizens, people motivated uh, by their, their love of children, 
their love of a safe society and an order, uh, orderly society to make it a punishing offense for uh, politicians who want your vote to do what they're doing right now, which is to be cowards and to hide behind the money that they get from the gun lobbies. I'm not trying to take anybody's guns away or take anything away from people that are supposed to have it, but they're just some common sense things. You should not be crazy as hell having direct access to guns. And we've seen it time and time again. The only way that we win this, the only way, there's only one way, and I hate to ever talk about anything in terms of one way, the only one way that that is out of this is for the children lobby to be better than the gun lobby. For the love lobby to be better than the hate lobby. That is the only way out of this. Everything else is a losing premise. The idea that you negotiate over time, the idea that you make little tweaks and little changes, the idea that you go into long, like I said earlier, performative uh, national discussions about these things that, that lead nowhere doesn't work. It's over. It's over. So let's not keep having the same damn conversation over again because I'm getting to be like your get off my lawn like old and grouchy man. The next one of these that we have again, I'm going to say the same thing to you over and over again. And there will be a next one. That's the, that's the most, like predicting people who understand pattern recognition, intelligent people who understand pattern recognition, probably should predict that we will have this conversation again until we actually do something. God help us if we keep doing the same nonsense. Yeah. Uh, um, Shaka, thank you, number one. So for people listening and watching, Shaka Mitchell has joined us from Tennessee. He is a national, nationally known uh, to rock a microphone. Um, um, and you can see, look at him, look at his microphone. You can tell that this is a brother that is serious about his, his, his biz. Um, but focuses a lot on making sure that young people have the opportunity to learn and that they get more choices and options than they have. But he came on tonight specifically to talk about this particular topic because it hits home. Um, Shaka, I'm going to give you the final word here. What do you got to say, sir? Well, again, thanks. Thanks again. Um, uh, uh, you know, congratulations to the the newest uh, permanent seventh and eighth black hand. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm glad you're back at, back at full capacity. Um, it, two things. One, I, I would be remiss if I did not highlight the fantastic, I think, response by the Metro Nashville Police Department in this. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I am a, a small L libertarian. I do not, um, I do not typically, uh, I, don't, I don't tend to go out of my way to find out about all the good things that our, our local law enforcement is up to. Um, I'm sure they're up to some fine things. This was a, a remarkably fast response. This was not Uvalde. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think a lot of additional tragedy was prevented because of that. And so Chief John Drake, um, who is a native Nashvilleian, went to high school at, at our local high school, actually, East, East High School. Um, really tremendous job there. So I'd be remiss if I didn't kind of give them a shout out. Um, really big time work there. The, the last thing that I, I will mention is uh, when I was in middle school, middle school, like, no, I guess it was early high school, like my freshman year, I think my father was, um, was a victim to gun violence. Um, he was, uh, he 
lived, but was um, in Florida at the time in Fort Lauderdale and was shot uh, multiple times. And I think, I think a natural response to that kind of thing is to get angry. I mean, in times like this with thinking about the school shooting uh, at Covenant this week, I think about if something happened to my girls, what would be my response? And my response, my initial thought is, is not that it would be gracious, right? I think about those movies, all these movies with Liam Neeson, where he says he has like a certain special set of um, skills, whatever. And it's like hunting down the bad guys to go um, exact justice because his daughter's been hurt. Like, that's what I think about. I think about Denzel as the, you know, um, going out there and like finding all the bad guys. Um, but I really have come to believe that like violence begets violence. And I think that a way, I, I don't know if it's out of this, but a way, um, a way, you know, to get away from, frankly, having to do these incessant active shooter drills in elementary school is to figure out how we stop being so fearful because it's the, it's, it's the fear that just begets more fear, right? And that's just a short game. You, we got to figure out how to play the long game and the long game is, Chris, I think, as you mentioned, like, how do you lay down arms? Even if it's a, even if it's a constitution, how do you lay those things down uh, so that you can play the long game and you can show what it is that you actually prioritize? And if we say that we prioritize children, um, let's, let's see it. I think, the, I think one way to show it would be to give them safe spaces where they can be uh, a, a in some cases, the majority of their childhood, which is in a in a school building, in classrooms with teachers. Likewise, I think if we really value teachers and want them to be great at their craft, we should let them be great at their craft and not also figure out how they, you know, need to be like, um, uh, you know, law enforcement tactician, uh, sort of you know, quasi SWAT team members. Um, but I think a lot of that just has to has to do with us getting away from violence and fear. And those are culturally um, embedded in the U.S. in a way that they aren't in a lot of other countries. And um, so I, I, I lament that, but I'm hopeful that if we're intentional and maybe it's the next generation that we can change it, right? I don't want my grandkids to have to be doing these drills. So that's, that's my hope. I'm with you. I'm right there with you, sir. Um, we need a love army and a love revolution, and it's going to come once we get sick of all the haters and all the hate in the world. Uh, this has been another episode of the Eight Black Hands tonight. We've had a very special guest in um, in Shaka Mitchell from Tennessee. We appreciate you, and hope you will come back to the show again, sir. Uh, we would we will be telling you more, audience, about uh, what's going on with the Eight Black Hands. There's some. Uh, some newness and some exciting changes that will come to the show and to the program uh, as we work it out and roll it out. If you want to help us now with the show, you can do it by sharing the show uh, with your friends and family. You can leave a, uh, you can subscribe if you haven't subscribed in all the places where you can find us, including, you know, uh, YouTube and uh, on our podcast on anywhere where you get the podcast uh, and you can leave us a rating. Wherever you see shows, you can kind of rate the show and rate it as amazing, rate it as good. And if you don't, you're raggedy. Just kidding. No, I'm not going to like dish you like that. Uh, but say something good about us. Say something good about us. We appreciate you all. Uh, we'll see you next week on the Eight Black Hands. Uh, this has been episode 204. 